Welcome to Becoming Church, the podcast where we discuss how the message and movement of Jesus is not just about becoming Christians, but about becoming the church. I'm your host, Kristen Mockler-Young, and I'm so glad you are joining the conversation. All right, welcome back to Becoming Church podcast. We are going to have what I think is going to be both a hard but also helpful conversation today with my friend Jess Connolly. Hey, Jess. Hey, I'm so, I love hard and helpful conversations. Right? Those are my favorite. Let's do it. We're <laughs> like, get right in the middle of all of this. I have a friend who calls them carefrontations. Like, we're just going to have a little carefrontation. Oh, that does make it sound nicer as someone who doesn't love to lean into confrontation, <laughs> but heart can be different than confrontational. Yeah, I feel yeah, like, yeah, you know? this isn't confrontational. No, not at all. Oh, well, no. first, before we go like way deep dive in, let's give people a little bit of background. You and I have known each other for like, it's gotta be like 16 years now. So long. Definitely. Definitely. I just had my, no, 17 years. 17 I just years. had my 17, 17th wedding anniversary. And I met you probably a few months after I got married. So crazy because you yeah. and your husband, Nick moved from Charleston to Charlotte as part of Mosaic's launch team. We did. Right? We actually didn't move from Charleston. We didn't live. Oh, in Charleston. You didn't. I know it's, it's really crazy. I mean, we, so Nick and I had grown up in Charlotte right. and then my family lived in Charleston and they said like, Hey, there's this pastor from Charleston that's planning a church in Charlotte. And we had, we had left Charlotte for college. And then we were like, well, we want to invite to Charlotte. We'll get connected with them. Okay. So did you not even yeah. know Naeem and Ashley until like launch? I, I met them like at the first pre-launch meeting we went to, we actually no drove. Way. Yeah. My parents met them in like the, at the Seacoast um, lobby one day. Oh and we're gosh. like, Hey, these pastors are going to plan a church in Charlotte. Okay. Well, here's the thing at the time, master at the time, Naeem was leading a ministry called the annex in Charleston yes. that was for young adults and Nick and I loved it. And so we would drive from Columbia, South Carolina to Charleston, which is about two hours just for the night to like go to wow. this ministry, but we didn't know Naeem. We never met him. We never, you know, we just were like blessed by this ministry. So we would drive. So I was familiar with his ministry and his work. And then mom was like, Hey, he's planning a church in Charlotte. You guys want to plan a church in Charlotte. You want to move back to Charlotte. And and she said, he's having, you know, an info meeting at his house tonight. And we drove from Columbia to Charleston that night oh, for the first my gosh. info meeting. Yeah. And How we showed up funny. and we're like, hi guys. Like, <laughs> we're, we're, like, which I, it all sounds pretty creepy now. I'd be, I'd be scared of me if, if I, that is so house. funny. So either, either we showed up on the same night new, and I just assumed that you were part of them, or maybe I came in like a week later. Also like, no, well, that, was like that was like six months before they moved before you so came we here. started okay, meeting okay. with them when they still lived in Charleston. So by the time they moved to Charlotte, we like, we all moved to the same. That makes more know, sense. Apartment That's why you're all in there in my brain. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So funny. Yeah. So I was teaching kindergarten. You were yeah. working at anthro. I was. I was, but still one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. And we were just, I was an idiot for quitting, <laughs> <laughs> but I do know we both do newly. Do you still do newly? I, I am obsessed with newly. Same. I'm trying Did to pick you know up my the box anthropology right now. owns newly. No, I was just going to say there's so many of their anthro lines. Anthropology owns newly. Oh my gosh. That makes so much more it sense. It all makes now. sense. Yep. 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 Oh, okay. Listen, hard, hard and heavy and clothing. <laughs> options and Jesus. <laughs> oh, so what are you up to now? Cause you have gone since you were part of mosaic, you and Nick were part of mosaic. Yeah. You guys have done, you've moved all over and now you're back in Charleston. Yeah, we are. So we left, we, we did not leave Mosaic. We were sent very lovingly from Mosaic yes, yes. to like a new season. So it, it shouldn't sound dramatic. Like we left, we didn't, we felt called to move, um, yeah. to at the time Seattle, Washington. So this was in 2007 that we moved, we mm -hmm. moved to Seattle. We lived there for a number of years doing ministry and, um, just living some weird lives. And <laughs> then we, moved back to Columbia, South Carolina for a season. Then when we moved to Indiana, I always like, forget is about that. Indiana. Is that real? That was real. Yeah. So we moved to, to pastor in Indiana for a few years. Nick pastored in Indiana for a few years around that time is when we started 
I started really diving into online business and coaching, um, started writing a lot more, doing Mm -hmm. a lot more um, like online ministry, traveling to teach a little bit. Then we moved to Charleston where we planted Bright City Church and Bright City is about to have our ninth, I think ninth birthday. Um, So we've been here for about 10 years. Yeah. And no, we're about to have our eighth birthday. I think that's right. Yeah. Birthdays are confusing. They are confusing. (laughs) Um, And I, I lead the church with Nick. I was on staff at the church until about four or five months ago. And then I very lovingly got fired by my husband, which (laughs) changed my life for in all the best ways, but I still lead the church with him. I still teach at the church and I write books and I run a ministry called go and tell gals that coaches and equips women to use their God-given calling. That's so awesome. So many great, great things. You do. You have four who are in high school now. I've got two high schoolers, a middle schooler, and one who's almost in middle school. It's rude. Oh my gosh. Upsetting. Why do they do that? I don't know. It's not considerate. (laughs) Well, this, I will say this podcast episode kind of was birthed out of you and I voice texting each other at the Uh most insane of times. Like you'd be on a walk and I would be like, it's five 30 in the morning. Let me respond. Or, and I was trying to remember, did I voice text you first? This is, this is like a toxic part of my personality. I I think so, but I don't even remember. I think whoever started it this last time was following up on something from like three or four months prior. And it was like, Hey, let me get back to you on this thing. And then it well, just, I, it's not really well, a toxic part of my personality, but I would say it's, it's just like a little bit offsetting that sometimes like if mm-hmm. I'm thinking about someone, I can't get them off my mind, which I, that's like my, my like general recollection of, I went on a walk and I was like, I have all these things I want to say to Kristen. Yes. Or maybe I had seen you, I'd seen you, t- you post something on social media that I was like, I want to encourage you or like this, this is me too. I'm with you. Yeah. And then it led to like 20 back and forth voice memos. Yes. Well, and it's beautiful because you and I have talked a lot about how, and I want you to maybe go into this a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. I assumed because of go and tell gals, because of Mm -hmm. all of the books you've written, all of the things I assumed that you had this like amazing network of women in ministry around you and that it was easy and life was easy. And you had this like amazing support system because I find it very difficult. And Sharon Miller and I talked about this as well. Like it's very difficult to find women in ministry leadership, like that you can be friends with. Yeah. And so, but you said that wasn't actually the case. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know, poo poo on like what I've got. So like, Oh, for say, sure. I've got incredible friends. I've got incredible yeah. friends. I'm really grateful. I mean, you and I have even messaged a little bit about this, but like church planting plus friendships is killer. So, um, for me, just personally, like leading the church, the first six or seven years were so painful for friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say God's brought a lot of healing there. So I have great friends. Um, and I have a few women I know in ministry that I get to ask questions to. Um, but in general, and I think this is what I told you that day. I don't know that many women who are leading in the church not in a like purely pastor's wife role that I, that I can like talk to, you know, um, I don't know that many women who teach on a Sunday morning regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't, I've known very few women who lead alongside their husbands. Sharon is a great example that I like know in life that I can encourage. Right. Um, and it feels like, it feels like there's like a lot of women at really large churches or with really large platforms who might do that. Um, but I, I don't happen to know them or like, you know, get to talk to them a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, it, that this exact like format of how Nick and I lead together. I don't know a lot of people who do that. Um, and it's really encouraging when I can find someone that I can be like, what is this like for you? How is this for you? You yeah. know? Yeah. 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 And you definitely weren't taking away from the network that you do have. I just, in my mind, you know, social media, right. You like yes. kind of fill in the gaps of the things that you don't know. And so in I, that, those were the, how I filled in the gaps for you. It's yes. like, Oh, she's got all these yes. other pastors and pastors wives. And you said something to the effect of, you know, a lot of women who are running alongside the church running yeah, alongside, 100%. which those ministries are 
so needed important. and great and fantastic. Yep. But do you think there's a reason why more women are running alongside versus like, yes, in <laughs> church? Yes, <laughs> I do. Why? Um, well, because it's very painful for us. And because, you know, this is what I say. So at Go and Tell Gals, we equip women to use their God-given gifts for the good of others and the glory of God. And what I tell people okay. is there, there, it is so much better for women than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But what we're working against is thousands and thousands of years of women not being equipped and encouraged inside the church. So it's awesome that it's been better for the last few years, but we have thousands and thousands of years of work to go to reverse, you know? So, um, I think that women do not, I think, I think women are not invited Mm -hmm. to lead in the church. I think women are not equipped to lead in the church. I think women are not encouraged to lead in the church. And I think when they do, they are constantly told that they're problematic for a million different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it becomes too hard and then they start their own thing. And I, I do not ever fault anyone who decides like, I'm not doing this. Oh, for sure. You know, right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to submit to this anymore. Not even like submit, submit, even carry so much connotation, but like, I'm not going to consent to, yeah. to this like harm, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Settle almost like yep. if it's, if it, there is an easier way to use the gifts yeah. that God's given you, then yeah, yeah, at a certain point you go, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to like, just pop this in here because it's so fresh and it's so real. Yeah. And, um, obviously I can like share this totally anonymously and you'll completely relate to this. I got a friend, I got an, I got a text from a friend yesterday who is new to church ministry and, um, she is just a mighty woman of God and mm. like just got the call into church ministry in the last year or so. And it's been such a gift to watch her. She is one of the most vibrant, free, godly women. I know she sent me a text yesterday and she said, I have three questions for you that I, I like really need to talk to you today. She said, I have three questions for you. She said, number one, how do I handle people who say that I'm exclusive and clicky? Number two, Mm. how do I figure out how to dress, eat, what to wear, what to drink, what to post on social media when everyone is watching me. Number three, how do I justify getting paid for what I do all day? And I just immediately responded to her. And I said, I, I like, I can only assume that all of these things have been called into question by someone you respect and love. I can only assume that this has been incredibly painful and I said, I just, I, I want to give you all the advice and all the encouragement. And, I, and I'm going to get to that in a second, but I want to tell you right now, this is going to be so fruitful for you and what God is going to grow in you walking through these accusations and this scrutiny that you're under is going to be so fruitful for you. And in Jesus name, it's going to be so fruitful for the church you're in. They are going to yeah. grow and they are going to change and their culture is going to shift, but it is going to be so painful if mm-hmm. you are a few months in. And this yeah. is what you're up against. Yeah. Um, and then she said, like, do you get these questions? And I was like, every week, <laughs> every week. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think too, for her, the beginning is the hardest. Now that I've been in it yeah. a few years, I think that I remember, man, I will never forget some of those carefrontations of yep. What I'm wearing, what yep. I'm saying, who I'm talking to, even on a Sunday morning. I mean, publicly, like yeah. yep. the way I talked and, and I know that they came out of love and it was out of care and it was out of like, Hey, people are watching you and everything says something and regard mm-hmm. like the whole kind of perception is reality situation. And being that I am a person of extremes, I went from like one extreme to the other and then yep because I was like, this is safe. This is, I'll jump in this box and I'll be exactly what everybody wants me to be and needs me to be and whatever. And I I don't want to say that we have to do that because that's definitely putting people in a box, which I hate, but I was Mm. able to then come back out of it. You know, I've, I've been able to really lean into and figure out who God made me to be and that he made me like this on purpose. And some of that does eventually, I think, not go away, but maybe like lessen or fall off a little bit. You know, I think one of the things too, people don't realize whether it's 
I don't know, social media critics, family, friends, whoever, when things get called into question, I think there's like this really missing piece for a lot of women, either in the church or running alongside it on mission that like, we were actually called to do this. Yeah. We're not just going, Hey, I want to jump in to the hardest possible scenario and try to prove myself. Like if we weren't actually called, we would do something else. I think. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, that's what you just described that like going into the shell and then coming back out and like finding the freedom in it and like still considering others and also saying like, okay, this part of my life, I'm going to live in freedom. That is my actual whole story. That's, that's it like in a nutshell. But, um, I, I also think, yeah, I couldn't agree more that like at the end of the day, this is, this is what I just wish I could like sit across from every person who's ever scrutinized or made fun of, or called into question, um, a woman in ministry. I mean, and I would say to any, any human in ministry, but like I'd specifically say to women, um, is I don't know about you. I don't know about you guys, but I have a strong feeling that mosaic is a lot like bright city and that I, I just know that it is actually in my gut. Yeah. You know, we're living in a really like much healthier place, like church discipline and accountability wise than the global church was 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. I don't have meetings with people to talk about their sin, like, unless they bring it up. I don't call people to say like, um, I I've never, I've never talked to anyone about their lack of tithing ever. I've never said like, Hey, you should really be serving more literally never. Not once in my life. I've never corrected someone who's not in a group. Mm -hmm. I have never even mentioned someone's attendance. Couldn't, couldn't pay attention if I tried, because I'm mostly just trying to figure out where my kids are on Sunday morning. Um, (laughs) and yet we're, so I'm living in this like post-corrective, um, like abusive church culture that was so hard on members. The problem is like we have in a lot of ways, we've like turned the sword towards leaders and, and like, we're not abiding by the same rules. And I would say, I think that there is some intrinsic systemic sexism that like, we do not call men into question. We don't the same way we call women. Like we just don't right now when men fall, we rip them apart. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? No more grace. Yep, it's over. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like women do not, do not look like you're making a mistake. Oh yeah. Do not look like you're making a mistake. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just, we ha- like, even Nick and I have joked, you know, in the past, like we've noticed it, it, it's, 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 it's as simple and like systemic as this. If we were in a meeting if we were in a meeting with someone who was upset about something that had happened at church or was telling us, Hey, I'm leaving the church. They would intrinsically look at me and not him. Oh my gosh. Isn't that interesting? As and I'd want to be like, look at him. Bro, your fault. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I didn't, it's him. Oh <laughs> like, like, you know? Yeah. Anyway. So that's like, uh, yeah, I could just go on a long tangent, but it makes me think of, um, Rachel held Evans wrote, a, a, what was the book called a year of biblical womanhood. And yep. it, at one point in one of the chapters, she, it was more about women in ministry and she had interviewed, I think it was a female pastor and I won't get the quote exactly right. But the, the heart of it has always stuck with me where basically she was like, I'm not working harder to not mess up because people will look at me and say, oh, she's not good as a pastor. As a female, I have to work 10 times harder and not mess up because if I do mess up, people will go, women are not good as pastors. And that will just like broaden it all across the board. And that just like, I get it and I feel it and it makes me sad. (laughs) And it also drives me to want to have these conversations so we can change it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's real. It's real. And I think the one way to fight that is to be a woman who actually needs Jesus and makes mistakes and says like, and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, You're going to see me make a mistake and you're going to see me repent and apologize and try again. And I'm not going anywhere and I'm not backing down. And Nehemiah eight, six, I'm not coming down off the wall. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I'm going to keep building. Yes. I made a mistake. I was human. So are you let's keep going Yeah, with my sword and my hammer. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, well, Jess, you have a lot of church history. I do. You have a lot of church history. 
where do you even want to start? And, and the reason I want to dig into it a little bit is because as we move forward, talking about, you know, what the church can be and, and leave people with like helpful, hopeful information. I, I think so many people right now that are listening are carrying church hurt and yeah. they don't know what to do with it, or they don't think that there is a light on the other side. So yeah. we just share some of your story. Yeah. And I mean, I, even I think back to that day, I voice memoed you and I was like, Hey, I don't know if you know this about me or like, and it was so interesting because, because I just met you at such an interesting season. So I met you, yeah. obviously I just got married. I was 21. Okay. Um, and, but the years prior to that, I'd already been on staff at a church. So I went on staff at a church in college, like six months in my freshman year, I knew I am a church girl through and through. Yeah. Um, and I still am in Jesus yeah. name. I'm, I'm so grateful to say that, but, um, the very first church that I went on staff at, I, um, was an 18 year old on staff at a church, which was in, in and of itself, probably a mistake. Um, but it was, it was at the time, very legalistic, um, a, a lot, a really large church, um, but, um, super, super conservative in a million different ways. So I was on staff there for about two and a half years and, um, so many things. I mean, I, my clothes were constantly critiqued. I, mm -hmm. I, one time on a day I was teaching, um, I wasn't allowed to teach, which is crazy because it was really conservative, but I was okay. teaching students. So okay. that's interesting. I mean, I knew by that time, by like 18 or 19, I knew, I wanted to communicate in some form. I already knew yeah. I wanted to write in some form. I was like writing for a few different Christian publications in college and, um, really just trying to be like a baby Beth Moore. That was all I was really wanting to do. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. She was, she was, and is still, um, so uh, sister Beth. Huge, yes. Yes. <laughs> of mine. And so this church was letting me teach, but I'll never forget one Sunday morning. I came, um, in like long jeans that were not tight because it was like, the early two thousands that we didn't wear tight jeans. Yet. Right. Um, we were wearing like weird tapered things, which are back, unfortunately. <laughs> and, um, I was wearing like jeans and a blazer. Like apparently I still can't get out of that. Yes. Yeah, and same. I was sent home to change before I taught because my shoes were too sexy. Your and shoes. My shoes were too sexy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was that it was, it was like constant constant critiques about my body. I, uh, struggled with an eating disorder in college and, um, just like raging unhealthy behavior that was mostly encouraged by the people I was in ministry with. And my body, like my size was talked about my like size in relation to my godliness was talked about oh my, my gosh, my fitness for ministry. Like, well, if you, you know, it's great that you've lost this weight. If you could, if you could keep it off, then like that, that, that shows that you take care of your body. And that shows that you obviously like have some level of righteousness. Um, and these are by like, you know, male pastors that are, that are leading me that I actually highly respect. There was no, there was no fight in me in this season. I, I will never forget. I tell people a story that day. They told me to go home and change my shoes because they were too sexy. I was, I was deeply repentant. I was okay, like, I was going to ask right. you, I yes. was going to ask you, did you feel weird oh, yeah. or at the time were you like, oh yeah. Like, did you grow up in a more legalistic conservative? No, no not at all. No, okay. I just like, I, I somewhere around like that time, because the, the church that I met Jesus in and the, my like early, my early years of following God in high school were so abundant and so free. Huh. I had incredible leaders. I had incredible speaking life, people speaking life in me, but I, something about around college, I say, and I think some of it for me was coupled with the eating disorder of, I have got to stay inside the lines. Like I've got to yeah. pull it together, but I say I became, um, the runaway bride of women's ministries. If you're familiar <laughs> with the runaway bride movie, how she yes, constantly changes the kind of egg she eats. Yes. Yeah. So I would go to a church and they, and like, I would summarize, this is what the female Christian culture is supposed to be like. I'll become that. And I, I don't know what it was about me that I just was like, check. Yes. I'll, whatever you want me to do. I'll do that. Do you think it was like identity? Do you think you were trying to figure yeah. out like, if only yeah. I could, maybe I wasn't the right kind of Christian and now I can be the right kind of Christian. I think it was identity. And I think, I think that, you know, I think that it was also something like beautiful that's in all of us that is like, I want to do this right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I get that. Um, and I, I did, I wanted to do it right. I wanted to honor God. So I went through that for a few years. And then I also saw, um, 
you know, <laughs> stories that I like to tell, you know, when you like tell people stories casually about your past and they're like, Hey, that's traumatic. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, you're like, yeah. wait, what? This yeah. isn't normal. Yeah. So I ended up getting caught up in like a, as like a whistleblower in a abusive situation that was happening inside the church. Okay. Did not want to be the whistleblower. Wanted to go to the grave yeah. with what oh. I had seen. Um, yeah. And God was like, it's not happening. You're going to have to tell it. I mean, even the whole story of how like I ended up having to like report and share what had happened is wild. It's just like the wildest oh, story of I'm so sorry. God was like, you're going to have to tell this. And um, yeah. so I ended up and, and the hardest part is what so many women can relate to is that I, you know, I saw this like abuse of power that was really traumatic um, for the people who were being harmed yeah, and was like compelled by God and situation to have to like speak up about it and tell the mm -hmm. truth and nothing ever happened. Oh. Nothing ever changed. The, that the is abuser, the most hurtful part. Yeah. yeah. The abuser stayed in ministry, um, was there after I left. And so when we moved from Columbia, South Carolina to Charlotte, North Carolina to help plant mosaic, I still love the church. I had not even begun to process any of this. Like I'd not even begun to process it, but something shifted in my psyche. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be the church girl anymore. And I'm going to yeah. just, I'm going to get a job that I love and I'm going to do that. And I'll like serve at church and that's it. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for really all of our time in Charlotte. And I loved Mosaic and I loved serving there, but I, I had like a very big block in my heart where I was like, I'm not giving, I'm not getting into this again, but I, I just hadn't even begun to process what had happened. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, I'm not a church. And nobody anymore. can blame you for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I was you know? 20, 21, 22, right. 23 and newly married and literally still struggling with just a raging eating disorder. So, yeah. and getting pregnant. I mean, we got pregnant with our, our first two kids in Charlotte. So then you know, we'd been living in Charlotte for a few years. We had sensed God calling us to a move. Um, mm -hmm. I actually did a podcast with Naeem a while ago. And, and I retold the story of just, there's just like a crazy story of how God called us to move in it. It was really sweet. It like involved Ashley. I was at a, I was at a Bible study with her and this woman came in and did like prophetic prayer. And yeah, Nick and I had been talking privately about moving to Seattle. And this woman comes and she's like, you're supposed to move West. And we were like, okay, we knew that that's crazy. And so we had been feeling this stirring to move to Seattle because we had been listening to these podcasts of this compelling pastor mm -hmm. out in Seattle called Mark Driscoll. And he was oh. leading Mars Hill church. And we were mm -hmm. like listening to, it. it was really compelling, strong theological teaching. And we had found this job working at a maternity home where we were going to have pregnant teenagers live with us in the Seattle area. And so we really, in like a matter of two or three months, just like heard from God, raised the money to, to like, essentially like go on mission and moved out there. Um, and what followed was the three most damaging spiritual years yeah. of my life. And I have to say, and, 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 and three of the most beautiful years. Yeah. Uh you know, I mean, we, we experience community. Like I will literally up for the rest of my life. I'll be trying to like, get back to some of the purity of community that we had. Cause there's nothing like community with a bunch of people who are being traumatized. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, trauma bonding is a real thing. It really is. Really? It's really yeah. real. I finally had to stop kind of like chasing it because I was like, Oh, Oh, got it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we were in, um, we were at Mars Hill. We were, were you on staff all, at Mars Hill? We, by the grace of God did not ever enter okay. staff. We, Nick was offered a position Okay. and about the same week he felt the call to plant a church. And he said like, I can't in good faith, take, um, take this job. Yeah. And, but you guys were deep in it. You we attended, were, we were you were very connected. You were way <laughs> we there. Were yeah. <laughs> and we, and there's a million, you know, traumatic stories there. We, so, sure. so we, we, the, the, the basis of the story there though, is that we moved to work at the maternity home, which was also wild and crazy and traumatic. I mean, I've got like up to six pregnant teenagers living with me at a time. Yes. I'm having my second and third kid out there. I have 
horrific postpartum depression. Yes. Like just horrific. I've moved a million miles away from my family. I have very little support system except for these incredible friends that I'm, that I'm building. Um, but I have like, you know, I have baby daddies who are on meth showing up on my front door, beating right. down my door. And I'm trying to keep my three kids inside. I'm right. walking through really like, really like harrowing, um, births with, with 14 year old girls who've been <sighs> raped and are, and yeah. like, don't understand what's happening to their body. So it's just, it's like, that is in and of itself crazy. So after about two years, we were like, we, ha- we actually have to leave this maternity home. Our, our time here is extended. Like, yeah, hey, this is, this is not the right season for us to keep doing this. So what, what happened is that that was right around the time the recession, like really got bad mm-hmm. and we left the maternity home and Nick could not find a job. And, um, one of the most important tenets of being a member of Mars Hill is that women could not work. It was like taught constantly from the, the pulpit, like women should like not at be working. All. No women should okay. not be earning an income. Okay. Uh, like men, men should be earning the income. They're worse than an unbeliever if they can't provide for their families. Okay. Um, and so for us, that's where a lot of like really intense trauma came in is because we were literally living in poverty. Um, yeah. one year we did our taxes and we realized we made $14,000 and we said like, God, we cannot do this. We have three kids. You have to move on our behalf. This is not working. I mean, Nick is applying wow. at gas stations. He's doing like day labor at Lowe's. Yeah. He's it, like literally applying to any job he can, but we're like ministry kids in the middle of a recession. Right. Um, and he had, and again, time, the things that you're hearing at Mars Hill, the thing you you're receiving it all, right? Like we're you're receiving taking this it. In, we're not fighting like, back. Oh, right. No, we, you you take it, you hear it. You're like, 100%. we need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, we, uh, there, so there was just a lot of spiritual abuse and I, I feel totally fine calling it that. I feel like we, we should be careful what we call spiritual abuse, but this was spiritual abuse. 100%. But that was, yeah. um, yeah. like, at Nick, one time somebody called Nick a monster, um, like, because you're not providing. And we're like, oh I don't, you know, it's just really horrific. But like, again, yeah. there's none, there's nothing in our spirit. That's like, this is wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're like, we're wrong. Right. That's, that's the trigger. I think that's the biggest yeah. where I love that. You just said, we have to be careful what we call abuse because mm-hmm. we do. I think that can become one of those things that just yeah. gets flung about. And then it negates true abuse. But I think that's one of the the key factors is when the person that's being harmed thinks it's their fault. Yeah. Absolutely. Or thinks that they're the one in the wrong, you know? Yeah. So we moved from there and we had a few years of rebuilding. We didn't like leave Mars Hill in pain. We actually were like, okay, we feel called to, to plant a church. But then what needed to happen is a lot of unraveling and a lot of unlearning and a lot of healing. And so we ended up not planning a church for six more years. Um, We landed back in Columbia, South Carolina for a season to just kind of heal and, um, and let our family heal and get therapy and, and do all the things. And Nick, Nick left church ministry for the first time in his life. And for the only time he's like worked a secular job um, since basically becoming an adult. And then just through a weird series of events, we got called to help replant a church in Indiana and we moved there. And again, I, that, so that for me was like the coming out of the, the runaway bride season. And I had been in all these other cultures that had said, like a woman looks like this, a woman act like, acts like this, a Christian woman does this. And all of a sudden I got to Indiana. And at that time, again, I'm, I'm starting to write a little bit. I'm starting to find my feet. I've gotten a lot of healing. I've gotten a lot of therapy. Yeah. And I got there and I realized like, I am nothing like the culture of Christian women here. I am do not fit the mold. <laughs> um, and I felt like I had a choice to like run hard into yep. what they were doing or to just be who I was. And I felt like God gave me the fortitude really for the first time in my adult life to say, I think I'm going to have to be who I am. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to like, like even solidify even more who God's made me to be, but I think I'm going to keep walking this even. And so then some of the hard conversations would come like, Hey, pastors would call up Nick and like, it's kind of, it's a lot that your wife does a lot online. Like, you know, she's like, it's like, is she like calling people to herself? Is it like about attention? And it was the first time Nick and I would be like, no, it's yeah. not. Yeah. But you know, oh, I've had watch. people even in the last <laughs> few years, like call up and be like, Hey, so Kristen's on Instagram stories all the time. And they're like, right. 
<laughs> like, yeah. and like, how is this a, how does this negate her from being a pastor? Like help us understand here what right. the issue is. You also seem to be watching Instagram stories a lot. Do we need to talk <laughs> about that in your life? Right, <laughs> right. right. How do you know? Yeah. She's always on Instagram stories. Yes. You seem to be great at lurking. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I don't yes. I don't. Yeah. So it was the first time that we were like, nope, nope, this is how, nope. I'm going to do this. How did you find that? Because I know there are people listening because I've been asked the same question that are people are like, how do you, how did you, was there a turning point for you of like, I'm done. I know how I want my eggs now. You know, like I know yeah. who I want to be. I, 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 okay. So the, and then this becomes the conversation. I feel like this okay. is what you and I talked about a little bit, even that day, or maybe I just thought I did, but for me, it was ministry. I became so obsessed. And by that point, like the ministry for me was not in the church. Nobody was asking me to serve in the church. Nobody asked me to teach in the church. I did not serve. I, I did not lead in any capacity when we were in Indiana. Nobody asked me to, Okay. but I was leading in other places and I was teaching other places and I was writing every day on my blog. And I was like starting to write books a little bit. And I was so desperately obsessed with serving other women that I was like, I would, I just won't come down. Like I, yeah. I just, I, it's, it's too important. Like me, like living in freedom and obedience is too important now because yeah. I've got to keep yelling to all these other women. Um, and yeah. so I think that was it where I was just like, no, no, mm -hmm. I don't think so. I've, I've experienced too much healing to get back in a box and I'm too obsessed with the good of other women. Um, and so that being said from there, we came, moved here to plant bright city. And so even like circle all the way back to that text I got from my friend yesterday, I told her, I said, I want to be honest with you that a lot of these struggles that women struggle with in ministry, I don't, I don't experience them anymore because it's our church and because we've gotten to set the culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, 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 it's very helpful that I get to set the temperature and say like, no, this is how it is at bright city. This yeah. I, and, and what Nick and I always say is like, we cannot go to another church. So we have to love it here. We have right. to experience God here, <laughs> right? You know, we can't leave. You can leave. We can't, right. Leave. Right. Our kids can't leave. They have to like it too. So yeah. like, <laughs> we're going to make sure it's a place where we experience freedom. Um, but, but, but that being said, then there's also been a lot of learning curves of, okay, like what is not, what's not like living in bondage, but what is considering others and their freedom and, um, and how I can serve them well in this. And obviously that's just a dance and it takes saying yeah. sorry. And it takes yeah. learning and trying again. And, and yeah, ugh, all the things. Yes. The tension of doing the best you can to serve people yeah. while also remembering you yourself are a people, like we are yeah. all human. You know, yeah. like I'm going to do everything that I can to make this a great and safe space for you. But guess what? There's going to be a Sunday where I say something or somebody else says something or a volunteer says something and you don't agree with it or yeah. it rubs you the wrong way. And yeah, that's, it's, it's just going to happen. And I, I know you feel this way too. Like I don't, I don't if for anyone listening, like I don't say that callously, like, yeah, I, I am, I am deeply concerned with loving people well. Yeah. And so I don't want to say like, I got, it. it's not, it's not me saying like, just handle it. I'm going to be me. I'm not, right. I, I am, I am only in this for people to see God. Yeah. I am deeply concerned with loving people well, but I won't do it anymore at the expense of my obedience, because I actually do not believe that is good for you. And yeah. my friend Lauren always says like, if God asks you to do something, it, it, it will not be ultimately bad for someone else. It can't be yeah. like, he cannot yeah. do one thing for one kid. That's bad for another kid. He can't do yeah. it. And so, yeah, I, I just want to say that like, that's not callous. Like there's nothing about me that shows up at bright city. That's like, just, just deal with it. This is me. Like, I'm going to say sure. things that are hurt. You're going to hurt your feelings. Right, like, right, right, right. Um, but I, but I am going to have to be obedient to God and I, and I think, and I am going to have to answer to him and I yes, worship him yes. for eternity. Yeah. You know, well, I'm putting that out there. Yeah. It's not meant to be at all aggressive. It's, and if right. it now granted, I've heard it said in a way that is aggressive. And I hope that hopefully people can hear this conversation in a different light. To me, it's more of like, I want you to come in with the right mentality. I want you to come in with the right expectations which to me helps kind of fight the idea of like celebrity culture. 
yep. in the church. Like if I'm telling you flat out, I'm not going to be perfect. Please don't put us on a pedestal and me, the other pastors, you know, yeah. then I just want everybody to have like realistic <laughs> expectations, Yeah, you know, and I think that helps. And what you're hitting on is it, is that it, it is like the struggle for women in ministry and women in leadership in the church and outside of the church is what we're encountering is, is, is sometimes failure. Sometimes we're messing up and we don't know how sure. to handle it. Um, I'm a hundred percent. That's my story, but mostly what we're encountering is unhealthy expectations from other people that should have never been there in the first place, you know, and, and 80% of the time that somebody's frustrated with me, it's because they had an unhealthy expectation that like I, that I never said I would live into, um, that God never told me to. And, you know, it'll, it'll be things like I've had people literally leave the church and like say, well, Jess never went on walks with me. And I heard she went on walks with other girls and I'm like, that's an actual conversation I've heard, you know, and number one, first of all, I'm deeply moved that I'm like, God, I hate, I hate that. Like that this could have been a, been a spiritual home for you. Right. And, and I, and something I did cause that to not be true for you. Like that actually is like, I, I feel the, the, the compassion towards that. And also I have this one body and these four kids and 24 hours and, and also a full-time job, which most people think is not a real job, but I have a full-time <laughs> job in writing, speaking and coaching. And just yes. because I happen to use Instagram, it looks like it's like for, for play play, but it's not. Yeah. And, and like, oh, that was actually just an unhealthy expectation. And, and actually like Jesus pulled away with Peter and John sometimes. And then sometimes it's okay for me to pull away with one or two women and to develop a closer relationship with them. And actually that's not exclusive. And that's not me having a click. That's me having a soul that can only connect with two people. Right. Because I'm a human right. and I can't have right. 86 best friends. Right. That again, yes. Goes back to you are a human person with the same capacity and time. And I think that too, is the importance of community. And I don't know the person that said this to you, but we've had similar, you know, people leaving for what I would say were reasons along the same vein. Yeah. And I just, I just want, I wish I could sit people down sometimes and say like, can you help me understand where you tried to plug in? Like, because we, as pastors, we, as a, so cannot be everybody's community or best friend, but that's why we try to say, that's why attendance is important, right? Because you can only connect to other people when you're there. And so we all have to have some ownership of, of connecting. Listen, I'm going to share this with you because Nick said it, not me. And I think it's, (laughs) and I am, I want to see if you resonate with this in Charlotte, this is how it feels in in Charleston, but for any woman or man in ministry, who's listening, I want you to like, listen to this and be like, wow, Nick Connolly's a genius. So Nick was like, let me tell you, he said this one Sunday in church. He said, let me tell you like a pattern that we see that people call church hurt. I, I obviously think church hurt is real. Yes. Um, and, and if, if it's not, if I've just implied it, let me say it directly for me, the path to healing from church hurt has been changing the church Yes, has been being a part of it and, and literally saying like, I will stay in this and build something that is better for me, build something better for you and build something better for the generation that comes behind us. But, but the church is God's bride. So I'm not going to abandon it. Yeah. That's what's worked for me. A lot of people are going to heal in different ways, but that being said, I think church hurt is real, but Nick said, let me tell you a pattern that we see often that is called church hurt. That is not church hurt. He said, here's what happens one Sunday, an average attendee who like maybe didn't never get to make it into a group, like didn't never like join a group or maybe went to one casually one Sunday, their friend comes into town and they're like, all my friends in town. So like, I'm not, we're not going to go to church. We're going to go to brunch instead. Mm -hmm. And then the next Sunday they get sick. And so they don't come to church. And then the next Sunday they have like a work trip that was already planned. And then the next Sunday after that, they like had been out too late the night before. And so they didn't come. And so then on the fifth Sunday, they come back and they feel disconnected and they're like, it's very clicky here. Nobody ever, nobody ever reaches out to me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know what to say, but I, 
I do just want to say like, and a lot of times somebody will say like, I wasn't there on Sunday and like no one noticed. And I'm like, I actually like that matters. And I hear you, but I do want you to know, like, I don't, I mosaics a couple hundred people, maybe a thousand. Oh, not, not anymore. We're a a couple hundred. Yeah. 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 But yes, decent sized. We're rolling. We're rolling deep at 125. Yes. And I don't notice when my best friend's not there sometimes because what I'm thinking about, it's not because I don't love people. I love people. But again, I have the four kids and I have one who like always sneaks out of kids. (laughs) And I have one who like, is like cuddling in the back with a girl while he's supposed to be running sound. And I'm trying to remember the three announcements that I have to give after my message. And then a woman just came up to me right before I preached and told me that she had a miscarriage. Yes. And I'm thinking about the DM that I got last night from the couple who is like about to split up and say that they're going to meet me after church for a prayer. And it's not that I don't love you that I don't notice you're there for even three Sundays in a row. It's not, but also because I'm trying to live in a post church hurt society. Yes. I do not text you and say, Hey, just checking up on you because then you feel like I'm watching your attendance, pressuring you and making sure why aren't you here? Yes, girl. I feel that so hard. I hope that helps some, maybe just like an average attendee who's listening and is like, nobody notices when I'm gone. Yeah, they, they honestly do. But like also so much of it is, is coming into the body of Christ and not being a here I am person, but being a, there you are person. And, and I I need the church to know, like you build it with your presence. And are there churches out there that just stink at loving people? There are, but I think the average church and the average pastor is actually trying. Yeah. Yeah. Actually trying and they need grace. And if your church is 20 people or 20,000, it's very hard to like put so much expectation on someone else, like driving your your presence and your attendance and your, and your knownness. Yeah. If you're not in the room. Yeah. Well, and it even pairs back to, no, it was amazing and needed to be said. It even pairs back to the, the, um, uncommunicated expectations. You know, we have kind of a, I don't know, like an unwritten value of like believing the best of people. Yeah. If I see that someone's not there for three weeks, I'm going to notice, but I'm going to believe the best about them. Totally. Totally. And, and then go, okay, well, if there's a problem, they'll tell me like there, we will be adults and talk about this. So I yeah. assume we, the same thing. They're at brunch. They're on vacation, you know? Yeah. Oh, but you just, and that's fine. Cause I'm not mad at somebody going to brunch. You know Girl, what I'm saying? I'm not mad. I'm I like, know. I'm not go to brunch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In Jesus name. I'm not mad at you. Right. Just don't be mad at me. Right. <laughs> just don't be mad at me that you went to brunch. I wish I could go to brunch sometimes. It sounds nice. It does. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. Well, let's leave people. You have kind of weaved in helpful tips and things that have brought you healing and all of that. But for the people that are listening right now, who's, who are also carrying legit church hurt. And when I say legit, I mean, across the range, across the spectrum, everything from abuse to even feelings of, I had to leave my church because of whatever reason. Right. Yeah. What can you say to those people? Not even to change it. Like that feels like a big, a bigger thing, but like to help them not lose hope in the church. I would say this, I would say Jesus is not problematic and he is good and wild and not always understandable. And I I don't know about you, but I don't want a Jesus I can understand in a, in a one page PDF but he's not problematic and he actually can handle your pain. Um, and I think one thing that has been painful for me in the past and painful to watch other people walk through is when people stop talking to Jesus about their church hurt or when they stop talking to him about their pain. And when honestly, even when they stop talking to him about other people, because here's Mm -hmm. what happens when, when someone hurts me or when someone disappoints me, and I talk to God about it, my heart does shift towards them. It doesn't mean I have to stay in relationship with them. It doesn't mean I have to stay at their church, but I, I stop living in this binary world of like, they're the villains and I'm, I'm the victim. And I realize again, like, okay, I'm sinful. Also they're sinful. 
um, also I, I start to want good for them. Um, and I start to like want healing for them, even if that means repentance. And even if that means, you know, them not harming people anymore, but I would say like, talk to Jesus about your hurt, yeah. um, whether you're the leader or you're a member or, or an attendee, um, like talk to Jesus about it. Um, I would also say, I would massively encourage people to find a church where you can be a part of growing it and shifting it yes. because a consuming church membership, if you are a consumer, meaning like you go, you're frustrated, you're complaining, you partake, but you don't help cultivate the culture or the ministry, you're always going to be disappointed now. And, and this is just for so many people, you, so many people may be at a church where they cannot help cultivate the culture. And I would say that's really hard. I would yeah. find one where you're, where you're, yeah. I would especially obviously say this to women. I would especially obviously say this to any marginalized population, people of color. I would say this to any, to, to the, to those in the disability community, yep. I would say absolutely find a church that welcomes you cultivating the culture and the ministry. Um, I know mosaic to be that kind of church. Yeah. And I know that there are a lot of churches out there that say like, we, we could actually use your help. If you see a problem, we could use your help. Um, and I would say like, talk to God about his bride mm. and, and, and just keep hearing from him about, about his bride. Let him talk to you about his bride. Um, yeah. And like, and the healing will come. It, it will come. It's a kingdom promise for us. Um, and it's going to come for us in different ways, but yeah, that's what I would say. Keep talking to God, find a place where you can cultivate the culture and let him talk to you about his church too. That's so good. That's so helpful. Well, it has been an absolute delight talking I to you. you. Next time so fun. I love you. Too. Like, you know, just yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus clothes all the things. Yeah. We're going to do it. <laughs> I love it. Hi friend. Where you. can we find, where can we find it? Go and tell gals all yes. your books, everything on social media. I'm Jess a Connolly, not Jessica Connolly. Helpful to know. I'm um, just a middle initial there. Jess a Connolly on social media. And my website is jessconnolly.com. You can follow go and tell gals on Instagram, go and tell gals.com. And our podcast is also called go and tell gals. Awesome. We will link it all up in the show notes. So you can just scroll so down and grateful click for you. Thank yes. you for this work. You. It's good. People need it. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. She is just a delight and a treasure. And so if you are not following Jess on social media, if you've not read her books, I'm going to recommend that you just go right now, follow her, pick one up. Um, friends, thank you so much for being here. We've got some more great episodes coming up. So make sure that you are subscribing or following the show. Then you don't have to remember to go back and be like, is there a new episode? Do I need to download it? It will just come straight to your feed. As always, share this episode with anybody that you think they would benefit. And we'll see you next time.